0: This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue what we started last week in the 13th chapter of the book of Mark. In the middle of Jesus' last week in Jerusalem, leading up to the crucifixion, Jesus takes a moment to pull back the veil and give a glimpse of what was going to come to pass in the future. This has become known as the Olivet Discourse. Pastor Jim just introduced it last week, and now we're going to start to get into the details of what Jesus revealed. But we'll be spending several more weeks in this chapter to deal with all of it. Some of what is here is now history. Some we see happening around us even today, and some we still wait for. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled The Beginnings of Birth Pangs. When the labor pains start, The arrival of the baby is near. They start shortly before delivery. And they occur with, again, I've read and I've heard things, they occur with increasing frequency and increasing intensity until the baby is born. In the analogy, the baby is the second coming of Christ. The labor pains are these unprecedented events building up to this explosion of catastrophic things, most of which are described in more detail in Revelation 6 through 19. Reason number three, we know this is future. Mark 13, 13. The one who endures to the end will be saved. In the context, the end can only mean what the end means in the context. It is the second coming of Christ. So that's what we're talking about. and if you accept what we teach from the rest of the scriptures about the timing of the rapture of the church, you can see this has to apply to those who are alive during the time of the tribulation, or Daniel's 70th week, after the church has been raptured. Again, if that's a disconnect for you, I can help you find um, the information you need to put all that together. Number four, how we know this is future. Mark thirteen ten. The gospel will be preached in the whole world before the end of the age. Now, that cannot refer to the apostolic age. The apostles are all dead. Before they died, even the Roman Empire was only partially evangelized. And it doesn't apply to modern times. Now, have we spread the gospel a lot further since the first century? Yes, but despite the broad spread of the gospel even with modern mass media there are still billions who have never heard the gospel if you doubt that call up wickliffe and see if they still need any help getting the word of god and the gospel to unreached people groups number 5 mark 13:14 which equals daniel or which equals matthew 24:15 daniel predicted That just before the Messiah sets up his kingdom and judges the world, that one we call the Antichrist, in Daniel's terminology, he's the prince who is to come, he will, quote, put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. There's more detail in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 about that. My friends, that hasn't happened. That's yet to occur. Oh, and by the way, that requires a temple in Jerusalem. We've been fresh out of Jewish temples in Jerusalem since A.D. 70. There has to be a rebuilt temple. Hasn't happened yet, so we know that it's future. Number six, Mark 13, 19. Now we've gone beyond our text for today, but trust me it's there. The terrible events that Jesus describes in the Olivet Discourse corroborated in Revelation 6 through 19, will be the worst of all human history. And they'll occur at the very end of the present age. So you might say it this way. If things can ever get any worse, we're not yet in the tribulation. Are there some bad stuff, bad things going on? Yep. Might you in some situation say, this couldn't be any worse? Well, yeah, but you're not omniscient. Um, this is going to be unprecedented. Number seven, Mark 13, 24 through 26, equivalent to Matthew 24, 29 to 30. That's the supernatural heavenly phenomena associated with the second coming. And that's never happened. That's why post-millennialism is completely untenable. You have to take those things that are extremely specific in their description and say, well, we know absolutely for sure that they don't mean what they say, and they already happened, and nobody knew what they were. That's, well, don't get me started. I just started. I'm sorry. Number eight, how we know this is future. Mark 13, 28 through 30. Jesus says, When you see the fig tree budding, you know it's summer. He just cursed a fig tree a few days ago. They knew about fig trees. They say, you can tell it's summer by how the fig tree looks. You can tell how it's the end of spring, how summer is coming, just by looking at the trees around you today. And so the events that Jesus is describing here will signal His immediate return. And He says, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Now, what generation is that? Some people say, well, he was talking to the disciples. It has to be their generation. So all of things, these things have to have been fulfilled in their lifetimes. No, that's not what he said. The generation that sees these things will see the physical return of Jesus Christ to earth. And that the one who endures to the end... Will be saved. So it's true that many things described in Mark 13 have occurred before. They're going on around the world right now. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, they happen every year somewhere in the world. But the events of Mark 13, the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24 and 25, they will be unique to the end times in their detail, in their sequence, in their magnitude, in, their, in the swiftness in which they happen, and in their worldwide extent. And some of them are going to disrupt the physical universe in ways that will be completely unique and absolutely undeniable. I'm almost done. There's hope for lunch. Maybe you've had this thought. Well, why did Jesus tell the disciples all these details about a time that they would never see? How is that practical? Well, why is it that God told Abraham, about promises that would come to his great, 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 grandchildren. Why is it that he told Isaiah about a kingdom that Isaiah didn't see? Why is it that he told pre-exilic prophets about an exile that they wouldn't see? And then he told them about a return that they wouldn't even see? It's because it has to do with God's faithfulness to His promises to Israel and to the whole world. Why all this detail? So that we know that He is in control. So, what's your best takeaway from what you've seen this morning? You could uh, take out a long piece of paper and Draw a detailed chart of end times events. Been there? Done that? Love it? It's helpful. Helps people understand. It helps teach people things. It doesn't give you spiritual goosebumps unless you understand what's behind it. The very best takeaway is that you never, ever need to be anxious Because God is in control. My friends, if He can control the events of every single nation, if He can control all of the stuff that's going on in the world, if He's going to bring it all to His perfectly designed purpose and fulfillment that will bring Him glory for eternity, He can handle what's going on in your life. Now, there are things that will make you anxious. I know that. That's a, it's a response that God built into us. Fight or flight and you know, concern about things. Should, should you just be you know, flippant and unconcerned about things? No, uh, of course not. But you never need to remain anxious because God is in control. And you worrying about it, that won't help. You letting it disturb you, that won't help. You being calm and preaching the good news in spite of all the junk going on around you, that is going to glorify God. At the beginning of the birth pangs, oh, it's coming. And, and we see the patterns in the world, things ramping up that way. I, I call it setting the table for the end times, it's, it's all coming, but God is in control. Let's pray. Thank you, our Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you for making known to us that which you will do. Now, Father, by your grace, by the power of your Spirit, use us to spread the good news that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. May we speak that boldly and in love every place you take us, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.